0: Hello, I'm Andrea Tabchar, a college public relations professor based in Toronto. My goal for my podcast is to interview PR practitioners with interesting stories to tell, and I wanted to share those with my students. I've decided to call it PR Delivered.
1: Remember, public relations is uh, a career. It's not a job, it's a career. It's not five, to five, but that's why we love it. We have exciting jobs, we get to, we get to tell good stories,
0: few years, many of my students have heard me talk about Cole Douglas, sometimes by name, sometimes by reputation, always as a sterling example of a BPR success story. Cole was in the Humber College Bachelor of PR's inaugural cohort. I remember meeting this keen and energetic human who was clearly listening in social media class, because before I knew it, he started his own blog, established a consistent presence on Twitter, And began connecting with industry pros. Cole was a CPRS student rep, a scholarship winner, and he secured a full-time PR job months before graduation. Is Cole a magical unicorn? Thankfully, no. He's a strategic thinker who was on a mission to succeed in PR, and he took the steps to get there. And so far, so good. Today, we're going to talk to Cole about his PR journey, from his early days at Humber to his current role at Apex PR, where he is an award-winning account manager. Welcome, Cole. Thanks for having me on, Andrea. I've been waiting for the invite. <laughs> I'm excited to have our chat. Um, so let's get started. When I first met you, you had been an entertainer on a cruise ship. Tell us yeah. how you came to study public relations. Well, it-
1: an interesting good question. Um, I think, like most people going into the arts, you're like, well, is this sustainable? So I was looking. I I did get to a point where I was on, a, I mean, I was traveling the world on a cruise ship, so glamorous. Um, but what I realized was, I maybe I don't want to live in a suitcase. Maybe I want something that's a little bit more consistent. Um, and maybe I don't want to be a starving artist. So I thought, okay, where are some of the peripheral business views i could go into that still allows me to be creative um be uh you know network uh you know collaborate with various stakeholders and i thought like there were clearly a lot of synergies with public relations when looking into the research and at the end of the day it's about storytelling when you're an actor you, you yes a story. And when you're in communications, that was one of the first things you told me, Andrea. On behalf of clients, you tell stories, stories that, you know, pique interest, that make news, and that, you know, um, influence individuals. So I thought, you know, this might be the industry I want to go into.
0: Excellent. And we're glad you did make this decision. Although, you know, and cruises aren't so hot right now. So <laughs> it's good. You made the <laughs> decision at a good time.
1: Yeah, this was pre-COVID, thank God.
0: <laughs> yes, it was. Um, you stood out in your BPR class for your earnest, professional, and strategic approach to your studies. What was your mindset in those early days?
1: Well, Andrea, I think it really—I mean—a big part of it was I. What this was my second, you know, shot at, you know, a career. So uh, I was definitely like, you know, living in the city, paying my own rent, and I was like, I better do this right. So I kind of took my, my approach that I did back in the theater days where I was like, it was all about who, you know. So I thought, okay, let's just seek out all the individuals who are going to help, you know, me progress. So, and I knew very well going into an industry like public relations where literally relationships is in the title of our job. that Relationships are important. And it's, incredibly important to, you know, harness relationships with the decision makers or the teachers that are instructing you uh, or can make introductions. That was a good thing about Humber. And one of the reasons why I, you know, went to Humber, I decided I was only going to apply to one school because Humber was the best for public relations. So if I'm going to invest in going back to school, it's going to be at the best spot. Um, But I knew that you, there was a lot of Uh, basically all the teachers at Humber uh, are also in the industry and or have been in the industry for years and it's all about those connections so I thought okay if I go in here put on a quote unquote show and impress a few people then you know things will will work out or I'll get the connections I need to kind of harness and take what I've learned and run with.
0: That's a, that's a good approach, and it's an important lesson, I think, for our listeners to remember the power of networking and how important it is to, to reach out and figure out, as you said, who are the stakeholders? Who are the, the people that can make those connections for you and, and good for you for for taking advantage of those? Um, I know that you caught industry attention on Twitter using hashtag Humber PR. Um, how did you get interested in social media and, and sort of start to to develop that online presence?
1: Well, I think like any millennial, I was, you know, to be social, does it, does it count unless it's on Instagram? I, you know what I mean? As, as As any millennial, we had to really kind of delve into social media just to have any sort of social life, quote unquote. So ironic. But Andrea, I got interested in social media because it was part of my class with right so i had to i had to definitely learn certain you know channels that you know as professionals we needed to be accustomed to and twitter was one of them i uh, didn't sign up for twitter until i was going through school and realized how important it was for the industry for god's sakes it's the social media platform i still use to this day yes i'm not active on it and i'm tweeting out articles but i'm monitoring my various reporters On lists, So I've got like, you know, a banking list, I have a a healthcare list where, so it helps me stay in tune with what's going on and what breaking news is occurring from a a government relations standpoint. Um, But when I first was starting, yeah, I thought, okay, this is a way for me to, you know, have a voice, make some connections and, uh, you know, try to build a portfolio of my own opinion so i was i was very adamant and very strategic in terms of i would wake up every morning have a coffee um read a bunch of industry articles that i thought were relevant to you know the conversation that we were within public relations and within current affairs and i would schedule a lot of those tweets out so i it was a, it was a morning routine of mine but as a result it allowed me to be active i leveraged the use of hashtags such as For example, I knew that the Humber, hashtag Humber PR was a big one to get a lot of industry, you know, chatting and sharing your tweets. So I thought that was a good way for me to, you know, at least put a stamp on the world, cut through the clutter and show a little bit of my personality and POV and the fact that I was at least reading what I should have been reading and also just was able to provide, you know, something that was meaningful and throw it in the space.
0: That's a, that's a really interesting point you make about making it a morning routine, like just scheduling your social media activity, you know, making it part of your day. That, that's a really good tip for people to to sort of take note of. Um,
1: well, uh, yes, Andrea and Surin, so let me add to yeah. that. The fact is that, you know, social media as and like any public relations aspect, hell, half the time I'm writing long form pitches to the Globe and Mail at night. I think you, you pick the times where you can actually list, schedule and strategize what you, the message you want to deliver, but knowing quite frankly or quite well really that ultimately public relations is not a nine to five job. As much as you try to schedule and as much as you try to plan, things are going to come up. Shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> Um, but you, you do have to pivot on that. And I think like the more you prep the, and this is something I tell all of my teams that I work with, the more we have stuff on the back end prepped this, the easier we can ex- execute on the dime.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's an excellent point. Um, you were awarded a prestigious APEX scholarship in second year of your studies. What did that award mean to you?
1: Uh, well, that, oh. Was a very generous award, um, and it was on behalf of the founder of the firm, uh, Pat McNamara, and she was she was always very involved within recruitment and industry talent, and you know, kind of lifting up the talent and and elevating the industry. So it was definitely a, a notable award. Uh, it, there was some stiff competition, I do remember, but. Uh, it meant everything to me. Yes, it, it was extremely generous, and you know, helped a uh, former starving actor still pay rent and you know for food. Um, however, what was really important about that was I knew that this was more than just and it was it was generous, but it was more than just a, a dollar amount. There was a connection here, and I thought this is my opportunity to one work you know, stay connected to a founder of a very notable Toronto PR agency that does campaigns nationally. And so I ended up turning it into a mentorship, I would meet with Pat every, you know, couple months, and, you, you know, ask questions, pick her brain about the industry, tell her what I was up to tell her what I was seeing. Um, and it really, you know, it ended up working out in my favor, she introduced me to the president in um, the vice president at the time and you know that was very instrumental in helping me you know, get my first full-time job out of school.
0: That's, that's great and a good point about it's not just about the dollar figure it's about making that relationship and solidifying that so so good on you for taking advantage of what that um, award, you know, could, could do. Um, tell us more about your career over the past six years. I know you entered the field with some preconceptions about where your career might be headed. What have you learned so far?
1: Yes, I think, you know, before we delve right into uh, the Coles notes of my journey, I think it's really important for us all to, to understand that as human beings, we change. We change what's important to us. We whatever we find interesting, whatever gets us off, changes. Um, and I've I started in the industry really hard on crisis, and I went right into high fashion, and then I went right back into kind of financial and medical. So as you can see, uh, <laughs> you change quite frequently. And it, it the good thing about being a communicator is it it truly comes down to storytelling. There are like hard nuances between um, you know lifestyle and, and corporate or crisis but you know I've launched I've done the vanity Fair party during tiff and led that but at the same time I help um, a bank with their financial earnings so you you can do the communication across the board when I first started I did do a jump over to apex partially because of the scholarship which is very instrumental in mean, getting the the internship that just um, it was a natural fit. Uh, and then when I started, I was very much on, you know, insurance Uh I, I, del- I actually worked uh, municipality, um, actually Fort McMurray was a client of ours at the time. And then when the forest fires hit, which was a very, uh, one of Canada's largest natural disasters, and I think still is, um, I was actually out there doing a lot of the crisis and issues management. It was around the clock work. It was probably something that made me the most excited and I will never forget. So when I finished that, I did go real consumer after that. I ended up leading campaigns for Walmart Canada. Levi's was a big client of mine. Uh, and then I did a, I decided to venture out and go to another shop. I went to NKPR, uh, Natasha Kaufman's firm, and we were able to, you know, really delve down in the mandate of, uh, uh a little bit more of the bigger profile pieces around fashion and, and beauty. Uh, however, uh, one of the big clients of theirs was MEC, or some people like to call it MEC, and they are a big notable Canadian co-op and a company, and quite frankly, they, they find themselves in the media all the time. So I was doing a lot of executive profiling. I was doing a lot of, um, you know, issues and reputation management. And then I also was helping Natasha expand her real estate portfolio. So I ended up really delving a little bit more into the, quote unquote, what we would think of as corporate side of things. Um, realized that this was something that I was growing into. I enjoyed I loved being that individual who would sit at the other end of the table and tell a founder, this is how we're gonna talk to the National Post and these are the points that need to come across. Um, And so I went back to Apex. There was an opportunity for me to go back to Apex PR. um, And I now work on the corporate side there. I specialize in financial now. So I work with a lot of FinTech and banks. And then I also work heavy, which is a passion of mine on the medical side. Across the board, so from medical instu- instruments, sorry, excuse me, to uh, charity as well as academic institutes.
0: So you are, um, you're, you really have expanded. Like you're, as you said, you were. I know that you worked on uh, TIFF projects, right? And. Uh, and you've gone from sort of fashion and entertainment all the way over to medical financial that's you know that's a really broad spectrum um, and what if you what if you learned about that like like you you're capable of doing all of that so what what would you say has, has been the biggest learning from that experience
1: Good question I think the biggest learning here is just to just go for it I think ultimately again I've said this. You know, and you've said this in the past too. Is communications is communications? It is very. If all I was a theory, there's theory to it in itself. Communications is an industry in itself, um, and communications, the wider idea of public relations, so not just media relations, not just social media, not just crisis, but how everything you know plays within that matrix. Um, but it was one of those things that I think I learned the most of just uh, jumping into it. Taking the skills I learned and applying them them to different industries sometimes helped, you know, helped me overcome the industry talk because a lot of, for example, financial or medical can tend, tends to get a little stuffy and tends to get a little, well, this is how we do things. But if you took an outsider's view to it, someone who might have had a little bit more of a lifestyle aspect to how they approach things, and all of a sudden brings ideas that no one's ever thought before. That's how innovative campaigns happen. That's how um emotive storytelling happens. Because you're bringing in new perspectives. And I think that is something I learned the most is never be afraid of an industry that you don't have experience in because you as a communicator you will always bring some sort of insight, some sort of perspective that will especially if you're outside of that industry that's that's fresh, that's new and you know that could be the next uh, case study from uh, an innovation standpoint.
0: That's a, a really good point. When you have this kind of breadth of experience, you're able to really have a fresh perspective on new challenges, and you're really drawing on such a wide range of, of uh, um, experiences from from your sort of toolkit, which is which is great and more of that will come as, you know, as the years go on. So that's, that's a, a really good point. Um, as an account manager at Apex, you were recently a CPRS award winner. You were on the team for Walmart and the Walmart and MasterCard campaign. Can you tell us more about that campaign and any others that you're particularly proud of?
1: Yeah, so we were, uh, we've worked with Walmart for quite a few years now. And when we, uh, we've also helped, well, we acquired their um, their credit card partnership. So Walmart Rewards MasterCard. And the big thing here is we went in with a really integrated team. I, I was the only quote unquote, I hate to say this, PR person on the team, even though we're all in PR, but it was very much a digital first. So it was low funnel, low in the sales funnel. So we're talking search engine marketing, Uh, digital amplification, digital ad buying, Google AdWords. It was very, very much a plug and play, traditional kind of digital marketing strategy to help with acquisitions with credit card. And they brought me in from a PR perspective and it was a big year for them. It was the first time we were launching a new product offering. It was uh, their new world card. We had a challenge, though, because the World Card ultimately was launching just to help increase a loyalty program with those card holders, and uh, it was a little bit more of a luxury card. And, you know, a big part of that loyalty aspect was travel, and then the pandemic hit. So in most cases, you would think, okay, well, we need to hold on to things and not launch, but we came in with the Council of, no, we need to launch, we just need to pivot and Uh, consumer spending is up and consumer spending is up on grocery on daily necessities like hand sanitizer or toilet paper. So we actually doubled down on kind of the the new narrative in that sense. And, and, you know, positioning as as most do Walmart as a one-stop convenient shop that you can just get everything in one spot and the digital aspects of how easy it was truly to, to make these big, life decisions and, and, you know, get everything that you need for your family. So we, we did kind of more of a human, human storytelling aspect to this. So working with a lot of influencers who showed the reality of their situations, as opposed to the glossy, this is the type of lipstick I, I, you know, have, and more so of the realities of, of, you know, I'm working at home with my children. I'm trying to homeschool them. I don't have time to like, you know, go and uh, compare prices. So it, we really delved into the the humanistic storytelling of, you know, our influence relations. And we also did, we worked, well, we have some good relationships in the personal finance world. So I was able to get a lot of like primetime spots with like, um, Patty Lovett-Reed. She's the chief financial, uh, commentator at CTV. She had us on CTV National, which went was great. So I think launch week for a credit card, I was pleasantly surprised myself. I think we gained six million impressions. Our goal was two just for launch week, um, but we were on CBC's um, Personal Finance podcast. There was just it was just a really good story, to, and I think it really altered into the, how we were telling. A Canadian story and what everyone was experiencing. We didn't fight the COVID story, we played with it, which is smart, and um, we took that and we leveraged that humanistic side of things across all aspects, even from our owned channels. So not just from an earned perspective, but in terms of paid as well as owned. So we ended up uh, with a very small budget. Uh, surpassing our acquisitions of cardholders and signups. So it was, it was some, a, a very big feat, but we were very proud of it.
0: That's, uh, that's really smart what you did, you know, like playing with the COVID story and telling the story that, that relates to what was going on in people's lives. So, you know, that was, uh, a, 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 it, and having been a judge on the CPRS uh, panel, we were very impressed with, yeah, with your campaign. Um, well, well,
1: sorry, Andrea, and you asked me one other. Yes. Other campaigns. So yes, another one. And just your point on the, the uh, playing with the COVID narrative. So, so something that I was very happy to be a part of is Planet Fitness's campaign uh, for the United We Move campaign. We were officially, all gyms started doing free online classes that they were able to share and promote to, you know, their members or even the public at hand, because we know that, uh, physical health was a huge, was very important. Not only to tackle mental health, which we were really getting hit hard with with COVID nineteen, but those, it was you know, studies have shown that those who um, were physically fit were able to combat the disease. Right, so we ended up working around the clock days prior to the official shutdowns. We put this campaign together. We worked strongly with the U.S. team and worked around the clock to launch this. And when we launched, because we were the first to market week, but we were everywhere. I mean, Ben Mulrooney on your morning was talking about uh, Planet Fitness' United We Move campaign. And then the ticket, so I think within the first couple weeks of the lockdown, everyone was, one of the hot topics was, how is everyone gonna work out? What are they doing at home? So we really doubled down on that. And we were, on, we were nationally on every TV station, radio show, we were also on all like those kind of blog TOs, Daily Hive, et cetera, Toronto Star. But what we really, uh, I think we gained 60 million impressions. Generally, that's a year long campaign. We got 60 million impressions in three weeks. It's just because of playing to the narrative. We also were providing a solution to Canadians and Mm -hmm. and Americans. This was a a North American campaign. Mm -hmm. We were providing a meaningful solution uh, to a pandemic, to a, a health crisis we were experiencing. So we, we were able to kind of create a meaningful brand integration into you know, everyone's daily life. And it ended up, we started creating celebrity endorsements. So I think Jerry O'Connell was on there. We had a few of the kids from Stranger Things. We had a bunch of athletes. A lot of them were American talent, obviously, because the American budget is much larger. However, we were able to put our stamp, our Canadian stamp on it, we um, leveraged one of our MLSE partnerships and uh, had the Toronto Raptor mascot do his own digital at-home workout that was broadcasted to North America. So we were put, putting our Canadian stamp on it. And then also those, all those celebrity guests really allowed everyone to tune in. So we kept, we kept conversion up. We kept, um, you know, loyalty up. Uh, so that when gym started to reopen, people were like, "You know what? I stayed in shape because of Planet Fitness, not because of good life. Because of Planet Fitness is um, free classes, so it was it was a it was a long term gain to to help acquire membership. But it also allowed us to get like additional spots on like uh, E Talk or ET Canada because of our celebrity connections. And one of the great things, Andrea, just before I started before pandemic happened, as a U.S. brand just being in the Canadian market for five years, it was, we would never get the time of day like Good Life would, which is a Canadian brand, because, you know, the media is going to give uh, an interview to a Canadian brand over an American brand. So we really delved down into the United We Move campaign, and it resulted in the Toronto Star amongst CBC and the Globe and Mail, quite frankly, they now come to us before they come to Good Life because of our quick turnaround. So- we were able to be you know, in a lot of the reopening stories that we saw with gyms across the country. Yeah, we were also on the back foot of it and having to do uh, reactive kind of statements from a closing perspective, but we were also the first ones at the gate. And I think the second time around, we had Canadian Press on site at our College Park location. We know Canadian Press is the golden rail of, or the, the holy grail of coverage, right? It goes everywhere. Uh, so it was just one of those things, it, your example of, of not just, I don't want to say taking an opportunity, but providing something as a brand that's meaningful and helpful to the world and creating just a really good story and just being a solution to the public that it was experiencing this crisis. And as a result, we, we just got our, our market share increased and, you know, now we're reaping the benefits.
0: That's excellent and you know you're back to talking about like elements of good storytelling, you know, making it human, making it relevant, making it meaningful and offering a solution, like all elements of important storytelling in our, in our field. So thank you for those two really solid examples and successful examples of campaigns you've worked on. Um, Now that you've, you know, you've got lots of good experience under your belt, I'm going to ask you to reflect back on your education. And for our listeners, many of them are students, maybe new grads, what can you say in terms of the role the BPR and your your education and your training has played in your career what what would you say um like has it been helpful
1: yeah I think you know one of the big things that I went into um, you put into it what you put into your education is what you're going to get out right if you know we can all just like mail it in Uh, And it's the same with work, but if you really throw everything into it, you're going to reap the benefits of it. So when I went in, I kept an open mind. I I didn't say, oh, I only want to work in this one industry. Um, I kept an open mind and I really threw myself into it. And as a result, I still am drawing upon certain aspects. Like I, I don't work a lot in the nonprofit space. But when I was, you know, running the Parkinson Canada campaign, I definitely leaned into some of the stuff that I you know, touched upon in school. Oh God, six years ago. Right. Or, or just the idea of um, social media and I move very quickly, but there are some theoretical aspects that you'll learn in school that will always reign true. So always keep an open mind. You, you get out of school, what you put in. That's a good point. In public relations, Andrea, sorry to um, cut yeah. you off. Public relations. All these individuals who are teaching you are also in the industry and they can open doors for you. Mm-hmm.
0: The networking is very key. You're absolutely right. That is an important part. Um, any final thoughts on uh, that you'd like to share with our listeners? Final thoughts. I
1: think um, I think you know what? Remember, public relations is uh, a career. It's not a job. It's a career. Um, it's not nine to five, but that's why we love it. We have exciting jobs. We get to we get to tell good stories, or get to tell stories of many institutes, or political figures, or um, charities, or nonprofits. And, it's a fun industry. It's never boring. It changes all the time. Uh, every day is different and I wouldn't trade anything for it. I mean, if you, it, it's a, it's a form of business that is ever evolving. And, and I think it's because it has that, that human side to it. Communication is so, um, centered in humanity and how we, you know, embrace and learn from one another. So I think, um, I think you, if you're going into public relations, buckle up. It's going to be a, it's going to be a bumpy ride, but it will be something you'll never forget. And you definitely won't clock in, uh, day to day. It will, it will be a career, a love of yours.
0: That's uh that's a great way to wrap up. And I'll follow up on your, on your, uh, transportation metaphor. You sort of jumped ship from those days where you were cruising around and entertaining people to, here you are in, uh, in PR for the last six years and doing really great things. So thank you so much, Cole Douglas, for joining me on PR Delivered.
1: Well, thank you, Andrea. It was an honor to be on.
0: PR Delivered is available on Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts. You can reach me, Andrea Tavchar, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you to Ryan Garbett for music and production.